Welcome to the grant, the EU funding podcast. My name is Nils Todervinter, and I am the creator, editor, and host of The Grant. The Grant is an independent, non-commercial podcast initiative with the ambition to dig into all corners of the EU R&D funding system on topics of interest for the full EU R&D funding community. Research organizations are, actually, very strong on research. That's what they do. However, for getting access to big chunks of the Horizon Europe funding requires that research organizations have an innovation and impact-related focus also. Hence, the difference between generating new knowledge through investigation and applying this knowledge to improve concrete products, services or processes. Some segments of the research environment are very strong on this, but other segments find it either difficult or are outright hesitating to incorporate an innovation and impact-driven approach to their research capacities. That you can of course stick to as a research organization, but if you have ambitions to attract more external funding from Horizon Europe, you have to deal with it. That can be a daunting task, because here we are not only talking practicalities, it is indeed also a human psychology issue. Gabriela Lovash, Managing Director in Europa Media Norway, has for years worked with research performing organizations to help and assist them in how to move in a direction with more focus on innovation and impact in their research. As you have already guessed, that is not an easy task. This episode is of high value for research organizations with lots of strong points on the value of working towards innovation and what it takes to embark on a path towards attracting more external funding and how this path will create a stronger connection to the surrounding world. Please enjoy. Welcome to the Grand, the EU funding podcast. Today, we are going to dig a little bit into the more in-depth areas of uh, EU funding. And uh, it's something that I myself had a big interest in when I was working with, with EU funding. It's extremely interesting. It's working on innovation strategies. But before we get into that, um Gabriela, welcome. Thank you. Welcome everyone. Lovely to have you back. <laughs> Thank you. Now, regulars and people who have kept on listening to this podcast since the beginning will probably uh, recall the voice because Gabriela was one of my first guests ever on the show and for that I will always be grateful the ones that took a took a leap of faith in the grant. So it's uh, Love to have people back, uh, and those were actually very, very nice recordings on the timeline series we did on impact. Thanks again for that, Gabriela. Now, even though you've been here before, I think uh, uh, for any newcomers, it's important for you to have a chance to share uh, who you are. Can you please shortly introduce yourself? Of course. So, indeed, I'm Gabriela Lavas, the Managing Director of Europa Media. Now I'm based in Norway and leading Europa Media Norge, a new pillar of Europa Media, hopefully supporting a lot of Scandinavian clients also in terms of how the innovation strategy should be connected to EU funding, especially Horizon Europe. That's more or less, of course, the topic of today. And uh, I've been doing this for a long, long time. Yeah, yeah, I coordinated my first project mm-hmm. under FP6, started EU funding at the university in the student council. And since then, basically, that's what I do on an everyday basis. And you did a good job. You uh, just, uh, we also talked about that in your first uh, episode where you win, but we know each other from way back uh, from my time in Brussels, which is you were in the South Denmark EU office and you were delivering a, a course training. Um, and that has been pff, 11, 2011 or something like this. It's a long time ago. Uh, 
<laughs> just a few years back. <laughs> yeah, no, but it's uh, you have a lot of miles on the under the ties. It's uh, it gives a lot of experience, and and you build up a nice company. I must say, uh, from Budapest, uh, you have have grown uh, into because back then you were not a lot of people, but now. Uh, no, but yeah, we have an amazing team now. Yeah, in yeah, and it has sort of uh, you have sort of uh, different uh, arms, so to say, of the organization. Uh, indeed, uh, different lengths. Yeah, a little bit of for profit, indeed, to deal with training courses and consultancy as well, all around Horizon Europe. We also have a science communication mm-hmm. lag, which is non-profit, so we do projects and we uh, are responsible for dissemination, communication, exploitation packages most of the time sometimes even coordinating the projects or supporting the coordinator. And then also we have, of course, some of the sister companies uh, also from way back, Gionardo, probably the most known uh, in the field of energy and environment, and also some other ones that we were trying to set up as a result of an EU project. And not only that, because people who pick up my podcast episodes here on LinkedIn, uh, where I do my marketing, they would also probably know uh, people within the sphere of EU fund. They would have run into posts from Europa Media uh, on LinkedIn because what you do, and you do that a lot and do it very, very well, I'm impressed by it, is your webinars, uh, lots of webinars, lots of, tr- of of free webinars and free trainings on different aspects of uh, of of how to do a proposal how to do the implementation of the project to pick up lots of nice um, elements of how it is to deal with these things so uh, well done thank you um gabriel um, yeah shortly about europa media we just we just had it right actually talked about yeah Yes, I think Europa Media is going. <laughs> so let's just, uh, my intros tend to be quite long, but that's because I like to introduce people properly. And I, I, <laughs> so, but let's just, uh, let's just get on to the topic. Some listeners will probably appreciate that. It's a little shorter intro this time. Today, we're going to talk about uh, how to boost uh, innovation potential. So this is about innovation strategies for research organizations. Indeed, a few years back, right, when Horizon 2020 was also supporting a little bit more the innovation. And now with Horizon Europe, where all of the researchers should become innovators, this has become a hot topic for the research organizations. It's not like they don't have an innovation strategy, but they would like to better have it connected with Horizon Europe and also train a little bit more their employees about innovation management. Yes, because this is this is something that has a slow movement over the years from the commission of more and more focus on impact because they want to see results from the money they spend on uh, all these tons of projects that they fund every year. So this is where the, the weight on the leg has been pushed over the years more and more. And of course, that's that's about that's going from research to innovation uh, and eventually marketization and, and commercialization um and that's difficult for researchers yes but it's true that the researchers yeah i mean researchers do not always appreciate that not even sometimes the decision makers of the research organizations which are partially understand they want to do research they want to generate new knowledge and then of course they don't think about the the market potential of that research knowledge and data that they generate to, to be frank most of them don't care <laughs> eh? again now they again now they have to it's not that they don't care they never really thought about it i mean they are there to to generate right that new knowledge and then of course then they make it open they share it and then of course it is you know the potential is there of course to use that but now they should be kind of also responsible for making it happen which yeah, is not that we easy talk about them researchers as one big bulk of of uh, of segment right because of course right. you have <laughs> you have uh, also a researcher segment that that perfectly work together with with SMEs and research and industry and uh, sorry SMEs and industry and and have sort of a commercial gene in them where they make a spin-off and a company with what they have been researching on so on and so forth but general generally uh, working with researchers for many years as you have and 
as I also have, it, it is <laughs> something that you know. It, generally, it's difficult for them to to uh, <laughs> to appreciate the value of going commercial with their stuff. They <laughs> they, they prefer to. Exactly, it's a, it's a totally new concept. So let's just um, let's let's try to have a, a fly in on this. So now you work with in this. So we we have to do some we have some 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 frames in this conversation. So we're talking about today. We're going to talk about research organization and researchers. Yes, research performing organizations. Yes, it could be a university. It could be any other, even applied research organization. And moving them from well, the 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 pain here is what we just mentioned, right? So many funding, many many funding, especially Horizon Europe. There is more and more focus on uh, commercial side impact results, generating concrete uh, changes in real world, not just the continuous funding or you know, like things has to go into the market, go into commercialization in one way or another. This is the way the commission would like to see it, right? Exactly. I mean, the universities, of course, and any research organization would already have for a long, long time, for example, a technology transfer office. Or they would even set up, for example, an innovation advisor position for a lot of the research groups. They think about IP, they think about protecting it, they think about uh, the exploitation, of course, maybe licensing it out, maybe selling it and so on. But there's a lot more behind. Obviously, the innovation strategy itself is not a new concept for any of the universities. I mean, if you think about, there was a huge report from, I think, the European University Association in 2006. So a long time ago when they shared the best practices regarding the research and innovation strategies of certain organizations. Like these could be the same organizations like University of Copenhagen or Delft University or KTH in Sweden and so on. So it's not a new concept itself. But now that there is a huge push from the Horizon Europe side, it would be, of course, advisable that the grants offices have a really strong collaboration with the TTO. And from the very beginning, when they put together the proposal, they have a different perspective on the results, on that impact that those results should be generating and then how to make that happen. And for that, indeed, there is an expertise out there uh, with a few experts, so to say, all around Europe who are helping then the organizations to really pull this together. And there were some really nice new initiatives that, of course, started in Italy or in some other countries that, that could be mentioned. Some really good practices, of course, that the organizations should use. Some interesting innovation framework concepts that the organizations mm -hmm. should try to implement. What we are helping with is to kind of get them aware of these best practices and interesting initiatives because it's a long internal process mm -hmm. to make this happen and have it as an everyday practice, of course, integrated into the, uh, into the organizations. It depends on the law, the capacities in terms of human resources, in terms of, you know, decision makers, how much they are against it or for it, how much mm -hmm. they are willing to invest into this whole thing. So a lot of interesting challenges, of course, come with the whole approach. But then on the everyday level, it has to be somehow connected to the proposal writing to Horizon Europe and then also afterwards to the implementation of the projects that they run. So <clears throat> in short... Helping with this or understanding how to work with this is that is solving the pain of doing faring better with EU funded projects and proposals. Yeah, because if you understand this and if you move your organization in this way, it's also going to be. It's not. It's never easy to apply. You will for have probably a higher higher yeah, chance. Yeah. Yeah, you will probably have exactly. a better so chance. This is, of this is something that, but it's not only, but it's not only that to get more funding. It also helps the research organization. To, not everything is commercialization. We fully understand that. That's not. It's that's not yes. the point. But the point is that the things that do have this potential, it's gonna, it's gonna thrive. It's gonna be a much more vibrant 
research much more vibrant teams with if there's a a, a good exchange with industry as a means at getting into networks that 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 sort of of fertilize your research within the field that you have you can go back and then you can dig again as a <laughs> deeper uh, in fundamental research so say or go into corners that and then but the, the point is that it's going to help not only for the funding but also for the for the actual uh, uh, trajectory of your your research um, but of course that should be the final scope of any organization so they are not you know, implementing an incubation program because they want to win a new project, but they they are thinking further ahead. Exactly. And then really use the potential, of course, of, of that collaboration with the startups, with the SMEs, and with the industrial around them. Yeah. Let's move into the next sub bullet we have in the in the rundown here. So the typical research performing organization and their pain. Um, now we have flying a little bit around it here in the in the in the flying. But can you mm. sort of describe your clients, the the organizations you work with on this? Um, what do they look like? And the ones that have a pain, you know, what what sort of? <laughs> well, let's say typical research performing organizations would have a handful, so to say amount of people who would like to try to change a little bit the culture and a little bit push towards the organization uh, into having this new culture integrating more the innovation as a concept itself. Then the question is, you know, how much support they have from the decision-making bodies, you know, from the upper level in the organization, how much they feel they are embedded into the whole innovation ecosystem. Maybe they would have a good network. Maybe they would have a good connection with the local industry. Maybe they would uh, be even part of some interesting international level networks. But again, when I tell the research research performing organization to the grants office, you know, how much you're embedded in the innovation ecosystem, you know, they look at me like I, you know, talk Mm -hmm. in another language. While the concept of innovation ecosystem, you know, for a long time, of course, it is there. But when you explain them, then they will tell me zillions of examples, you know, how much they are embedded and what kind of connections they have, how these connections could be used in order to improve all of these procedures in terms of, you know, how the research results could go into something useful. Because it doesn't have to be, again, commercialization, but it has to be available to turn into something more useful, so to say, and of course, creating benefits for the society. Maybe not at large, but maybe in small, but still some kind of benefit, you know, that you can create. This would be important kind of, again, from the very beginning to think about. So in many cases, the typical research performing organizations would have strong research teams, normally led by one, two researchers who are really good at, for example, doing these certain type of um, synergy searching with the industry and how they could be using, of course, all of these research results. But the rest of the research groups would be interested in getting additional funding to do their research, generate the knowledge, and then do scientific publications. Again, which I fully understand, but they don't necessarily want to hear about uh, IP protection. They don't necessarily want to hear about um, uh, commercialization potential or technology transfer or licensing and all of these kind of other things. And But they just want to get all of the support, of course, to write a successful proposal from the grants offices who understand that they need more, but <laughs> that that's kind of not exactly how this should happen. So innovation as a concept and innovation management as a process should be much better understood by the yeah. everyday researchers. So that is also while all of these innovation-related courses would be obligatory for many of the PhD students or many of even the master's students, but again, still, of course, there are a lot of researchers who don't really want to get the knowledge or get kind of um, get the grasp of all of these things. Yeah. So it's it's not that easy because you have this internal kind of conflicting situation that 
you have to select those research groups as a grants office also as a decision maker, right, within the, within the organization, which would be having high potential to win a horizon Europe. But then you have to consider innovation. You have to consider how the results lead to impact. Exactly, because the, the, the sort of hardcore research money that's not the uh, that's you know like that's that's not that much of it <laughs> you know mocha it that's not that much of it and of course you need to think about you know saving the world from one perspective right because mm-hmm. we're dealing with global challenges so you have to come up with something amazing that would be solving or contributing to the solution of this global challenge but then you also have to come up with something that can be turned into useful innovation but for that, you need to understand what that could be. Yeah, and here, obviously, the reason why they look at you like you speak another language, obviously, is because it's 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 two different worlds in terms of of what is what what do, where do the career moving elements, the the things that gains respect within your field, the the things that drives them forward. It's something very different from a more uh, from a world where you would you know, like work together with companies, right? where you have to put your things into the real world. They the currency in the research world that is uh, published papers uh, in the within the scientific magazines that are by vital within your specific field, right? So they all have uh, their set. So so getting published these things. In artificial, uh, sorry, in, uh, in in scientific magazines or artificial publications that they then refer to, and then they get esteem from the surrounding uh, research community, so to say. So exactly, but it's also let's not forget this is also an obligation for them. Yeah. So it's not just that they want to do it, but this is also an obligation. They have to publish. They have to again also increase the reputation of the organization through the publications and through the citations. So it's not only that. Also, Horizon Europe, as an important indicator, has the you know the number of these publications in high-ranking journals. Mm-hmm. So it was also, as an example, we did a lot of interviews for one of the Academy of Sciences in Europe. Out of the 20 uh, researchers, for example, that we interviewed, maybe one or two had any kind of collaboration with the industry or was thinking about that this would be useful for them and for their research if they had any Mm. kind of collaboration. The rest was not really interested because for them, as an Academy of Sciences, they were doing basic important research and anyone should be happy to get access to their knowledge and data and results and scientific publications. And again, because the Academy from the top level was not changing, so to say, yeah. this culture and uh, the uh, mindset. Of course, they were having a really nice, of course, winning rate, but not not that much as they could have. No. And for the sustainability of an academy of sciences, of course, it is important to have EU funding on a long term. Now, why do they co- what when you have people contacting you for help? What are the typical reason is it because that there's a management that has realized that there's a pain that there's a bottleneck or is it because a leading uh, employee in a research team has realized something and then on behalf of that the organization how how is the typical approach to you because if someone before they come to you you're like they someone have have a realization yeah then then someone must have taken a leap of understanding or yeah i mean no most of most of the time the grants offices come to us because they were empowered by the decision makers and the simple reason for the decision makers to to kind of give this mandate to the grants offices is that they need more and of course, then, you know, relevant, of course, and valuable funding for the future. So in order to increase the success rate, of course, they would like to get a more, yeah, more developed, so to say, internal process, so to say, 
Mm-hmm. But as well as on a strategic level, yeah, they would like to understand more, you know, towards which directions they should go because it's not that easy. Horizon Europe is huge. And then the question is how the organization can be successful. They may have a research and innovation policy, but the question is, okay, then how we translate that into the language of, of Horizon Europe, taking into consideration what kind of research groups we have, what kind of previous results we have, what kind of IP we have available. And this is normally the kind of the starting point where the grants offices and the technology transfer offices start a better collaboration. Because if they start working together from the start, then indeed, whenever there is an interesting concept that could become as a flagship project, so Mm -hmm. a priority for the decision makers, then they really allocate the necessary resources, human capacity, and expertise to make the most out of that project. Uh-huh. Uh, so, in other words, it's it's the facilitator. So, it's the project development office of the organizations that would typically be the driver, the driving uh, unit in in approaching you because they see most of the time. Indeed, yeah, like they see it. yeah, these research managers, yeah, who would like to indeed follow up the trends, so to say. And of course, they don't want to have a, you know, a, a lower success rate than they used to have. No. But at this point, they don't know yet that what you're going to do with them will also change their research because the, the researchers... <laughs> <laughs> they, their motivation, their pain is they need more money for funding, right? It's always a, a run for research organizations especially researcher. And normally by the time they get to us, they, they they are, you know, going through a lot of internal discussions. So they have kind of a clear idea that of course they, <laughs> they need to change something in order to, uh-huh. to have a better better success rate. So normally, most of the time I would say that they kind of listen to to the suggestions. It's well, it's okay. it's a question how much they implement out of that, of course, because again, capacity, money and everything else, you know, time wise Thing, things fail because, you know, it's not, it may be an idea and it may be an interesting thing for a consultant to support, but then, yeah, you, you, you have to push it. You have to. Change is difficult, Gabriel. Mm-hmm. Yep. In general. Yeah. Again, this is, uh, and this is something that's very difficult to change because this is a, a point of view. This is a discourse you need to. Yeah, it's you have to shake a f- uh, you have to change a little bit of a a foundation on the researcher for him or her to yes, but if internally you yeah, yeah. decide that you gain this expertise or via hiring new people or via having support outside, if you have the support, then then there could be really good results coming out of that. Indeed. All right, let's. Um, it should cover it pretty well on what they are, research performing organizations, and uh, and the pain bottlenecks when they um, when they contact you. Now, let's move into to what you actually do because this is uh, this this is the thing we me so the listeners and I we would love to hear a little bit on how you uh, what happens when you step into this room when you are opening up the potential uh, for them. Uh, and now we sort of we sort of we sort of painted the pitch, right? <laughs> uh, we painted the uh, what what we have to deal with. Uh, it's it can be quite difficult. It's a culture. It's cultural change, discourse, it's, it's it's a world that needs to change a bit of a view on things. So so that can be it's not just simply about giving them some input on how to get more funding. This is much more. No, you need, you need first a lot of information that, so that's where everything starts. You need to, to set up a lot of interviews, a lot of discussions and talks. And then indeed you need to realize what would be for this particular organization, you know, the major kind of backbone, what would stop them from, from making the change or what would drive the change itself, how much potential they have, what are the capacities. So you would really check a lot of things. You would check how the TTO works. You would check how the grants office works. You would check how 
what the researchers would think they need and what exactly they feel they get as a support from the organization. You talk to the decision makers and you realize how much they will support this whole process. And it's not only how much they support, it's how much support they get also maybe from outside, maybe from the industry, maybe from other kind of collaborators, maybe from local government or the city council. You know, there could be a lot of, of course, opportunities for making a collaboration all around the university or the research organization. And the question is, what is running? What, you know, have they set up in the past? What is that they think about they could do in the future? Mm -hmm. And then if that all kind of nicely falls together, then probably we take some of the interesting examples from other organizations as well that we see that it was working for them. And because this organization has similar characteristics or maybe there is an interesting feedback that we got out of an interview or the other one, we could connect two dots and hopefully we could we could suggest them new programs that would be maybe competitions that they could run within the university that would change a little bit the things. They could set up some virtual or even on-site environments that would boost a little bit the the different thinking and how exactly, for example, uh, innovation could happen kind of in a more, yeah, integrated in a more natural way, so to say, in the future. Then, yeah, what kind of new policies maybe the organization should have, how much the researchers or the PhD student or anyone else within the staff should be maybe trained or what kind of other kind of support they would need in order to implement. And then it goes back, of course, what kind of programs should be done for the students, what kind of programs could be done for the um, for the researchers in terms of, you know, acceleration program, incubation program, all of these kind of, you know, type of things that could be helping. How much yeah. entrepreneurship should be discussed, for example, with the researchers, yeah. how much the organization wants to support this how much they want to focus on basic research because this is what they are the best at, for example, in Europe mm -hmm. and so on. So there could be a lot of things that we can discuss. And out of that, there could be interesting, of course, institutional policies for research and innovation coming out. Also taking into consideration what kind of open science policy they have in the first place. Again, what kind of innovation ecosystem they are part of and what kind of other connections with other innovation ecosystems they have. Uh, and so on and so on. What kind of procedures they have, what kind of, how much, for example, the researchers know that they have an open science policy in the first place, because most of the time researchers don't even check the website of their own institution for these. And so on and so on. Gabriel, uh, how much do they book you for when they take you in at first do they do, do is it a blank page where i say i we would like to we would like to boost our innovation potential no no it's it's no not not really and then yeah. you say i need to i need to map map your organization or what happens do they already know that which way they <laughs> honestly most kind of, of the time they would like something you know out of the box idea that would save <laughs> the organization you know <laughs> in that sense but of course it's not that easy so Sometimes when we say, guys, first we need to understand you and we need to map and we need to talk a lot, mm -hmm. then, yeah, it happens that the whole thing just dies. Because they see that this is a huge work, potentially even, of course, having a lot of hours of consultancy that would be expensive and so on and so on. So sometimes yeah. it is just a small thing that we'd be referring maybe to one specific project. We have this project, okay, now how we do it? That is easier to grasp, you know, as a concept. Yeah. And then, of course, yeah. they, but again, trying to transfer it to an organization, that would be impossible, right? Because, of course, from project to project, depending on who are the consortium partners, what kind of results we talk about, what kind of discipline we are in, there could be a lot of differences in terms of innovation management. And then, of course, then within the organization, you would have a lot of different research groups who would need different things, different incentives, different knowledge, different infrastructure to support the innovation. Mm -hmm. Okay, so 
let's just say, let's not take one of the highest one. <laughs> so, yeah. Let's take one where you have had a, a good, uh, solid collaboration without them being scared away by the fees that you apply to your services of developing and boosting the innovation potential here. So step in and then you first you stir up so you make them realize what they need to go through or you take and you take a view of things and then you you assess okay we need to have interviews we need to map your environment we need to understand the network we need to understand your organizational setup we need to understand what you want what is what you yes and want. if we even yeah, look, so, look into so, some of the proposals and some of the projects to see you know what was important for them which which kind of projects were a priority for them, maybe flagship ones that they wanted to pursue. Maybe they won, yeah. maybe they did not succeed for any specific mm -hmm. reason. Again, to better understand, yeah, who could be driving, again, that change also within the institution. Because if you have good examples, good practices within one institution, some, you know, examples that you could follow as another research group for another scientific discipline, it is a lot oh, yeah. easier. Because internally they are much more willing to talk to each other and share the expertise and share the experience rather than, of course, going outside and then do the same with other European organizations. So a knowledge yeah. base to set up from this perspective is useful for any organizations because, I mean, it happens how many times that one research group is applying for something and is successful and the other research group, you know, in another campus has no clue about what's happening. So it should be, again, that one organization is trying to, to join the forces that they have in-house. Actually, surprisingly, a lot. This happens a lot. That's good. That they, by coincidence, like what you just said, you know, like that they, by coincidence, yeah, exactly. they realize, oh, yeah, but there, there, know, there, there, might be. Be, uh, there might be uh, 50 meters away from each other. Yeah, or sitting then, uh, sitting uh, on the on the next level in the building, yeah. but they sit and do the same for the same call uh, with a different consortium. <laughs> uh, I tried that a couple of times, and now uh, I've, the questions will continue to pop up. So the example, right? Of course, yeah. I mean, of course, we have good examples as well in terms of. Yes, we understand the organization, we go through, and then we suggest them kind of it's a, it's a selection of things that we think they could do mm -hmm. in terms of, yeah, how to put together this knowledge base, for example, how to make a systematic collaboration in between the departments to share the knowledge and the expertise, how the technology transfer office could be more systematically collaborating with the grants office, for example, taking some good examples from... I don't know, Eunice Martin, University of Padova, for example, was a good example always that we used, and so on and so on. So there could be additional things. Of mm -hmm. course, we should try to, to get the good examples also not so far away. So if I say in Slovenia that they should be, you know, using the approach of the Delft University, you know, they could be laughing at us, okay, and uh, you know, how much money you give us in order to implement this. So, mm -hmm. of course, you, you have to be realistic what kind of changes they could be uh, they could be implementing. So what exactly you are willing to, not willing, of course, what would be relevant to suggest them. And then they could choose from kind of a, yeah, menu, so to say. Yeah. And then we could move on. And of course, when they say, okay, this is what we think we are capable of doing in the next year, then we could be helping them, of course, to, to make it more a realistic action plan what exactly they could do and how they can do it. And then hopefully they will be implementing it. But that point, you already kind of lose the, lose the connection with the organization. Uh, well, so what do, what do you prefer? Do you prefer to take uh, an organization where there's a team and then take that result and then let it, let it, let it spread like mushroom to the other teams? Or do you prefer to to kick to the whole pile of leaves <laughs> and and remuffle the whole no i mean definitely centrally if the if the change could be initiated from the central uh management that's 
that's much more powerful. It it may may really lead to an impact within the organization. One group can really set a good example, but this this will have a visible thing only within the department, only with the faculty, for example, that you that you see. Now you've been mentioning many sort of elements, but what is the actual method methodology, so to say, with the support you give? Do you make trainings? Or do you give them practical homework? Do you, uh, for instance, if it's organizational, is it is it then you work together with the management around? Yeah, it's more remote? it's more the the homework approach, so to say. So we give them a plan with 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 elements that we think would be useful for the organization to implement. Mm-hmm. But then we are not necessarily following up exactly what they do and how they implement it because it may take years. Yeah. How do you deal with that? Because you already know when you step in that door from the beginning that this is probably going to happen. So do you do anything in your approach to try to detach that uh, that bottleneck, so to say, of 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 results of, of your work, of your support. Do you, is there any, I mean, do you address is, it? No, I mean, this is, this, this is a fact, of course, that everyone needs to understand. If they, if they want to, to start, then they will see the results. Yeah. Not, not tomorrow and not a month later. Yeah. I guess it's a fine line, right? Because you don't want to take, take the heart out from them, you know, <laughs> so, this is gonna, this is gonna be long and rough and very uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah but if you want to convince them that this is this is making a, a surprise change within two months and they will be winning the next innovation actions you know no no yeah. it's not not Again, happening that easily line. yeah it's not happening that easily okay so it's uh how long do you normally work with them what's an average uh duration of uh, of a service when you it's around two three months more or less okay and so, so you go, you do some work, then you get back to them. Yes, and yeah. basically, there's a final discussion on the action plan that we propose on this menu. Yeah, and then yeah, the organization of course can decide to come back to us, and then we could do something very specific together. Yeah, but again, it it's it's taking a lot of lot of effort from an organization, and they need to push it internally. So we we are not needed there. They 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 have to do it on their own. And this is obviously now, because now we're moving into psychology, right? This is change. Yeah, It's changing behavior, because that is actually what it is. It's not just organizational changes, that's psychology. Uh, changing practice as a research team, how you work, it's psychology. Acquiring new knowledge of areas you're not comfortable with, IP, uh, licensing, uh, how do you manage your innovation and so on. It's something that you you need to be ready to make these changes as a person and as a team. It's not that yeah. difficult in the sense that probably it will be only working if you say that, yeah, there is, of course, a new process, there's a new support system, and we will be guiding you every step on your way. So it's not going to be frightening for any of the research groups to to try to make it happen. But it's easy if you want to win. You have to change a little bit the mindset, but we will help you changing the mindset. Uh And then the researchers will learn that on the way. Next time they may not need so much support, but there has to be a really good support system available for them. Do you ally yourself with some of the people where you can see, okay, she understood it, she got it, or this guy, he, 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 he do you sort of try to? In quite a few cases, yeah, you, you, you see huh? the light in the eye of the person, yeah, that they understood, yeah. Do and then do you do you make an active effort with these people? You understand it from the questions that they ask. Yeah. But in many cases, indeed, you, you may see the these people while of course working with the researchers and then the way they explain to the researchers may be better understanding the language than than a consultant mm-hmm. does yeah you can you can see that it's it's working yeah 
But yeah, good, good, good people need to be need to be there, of course. Yeah. Because often in these processes, you often need a torchbearer in front of you. In the organization, you need someone to to sort of say, "Hey, <laughs> let's try this. <laughs> let's walk this way. It's a little dark, but I I think I know the way." You know, if you get these people. Also, and again, it's not rocket science. So you know, I mean, you have to explain the researchers what they know, what they are trying to to put together on an everyday basis. It's much more complicated than this new concept that they have right. to integrate into that. Yeah, we are not building space rockets. Definitely not. They are doing that. So, talking of 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 what, human interaction, psychology, and so on. Which do you have? the the most successful cases is that where you would have both management and a few people in the teams that understood and then so you have both the management that sets the direction and then you would have the research teams with people in there also that has understood and can take the message and translate it properly So to say, yeah, maybe uh, with, with younger people, it's the easiest to try to to implement the process in the sense that within the research groups, the PhD students would would come with an open mindset. They would like to learn this. They would, they are eager, you know, to to grasp all of that meaning hmm. on innovation because they they can easily integrate that. I mean, I've seen PhD students, you know, really complicated research concepts. When they finally understood how the European Commission would like to see that, you know, written down, they they could do that within within minutes when they when right. they understood it. It's just a different kind of <laughs> sentence, so to say, to put down into the proposal. Yeah. Now, the question about the f- funding and the change that you want to make. Do you take when you when you do this work? Do you then also have uh, elements in the work you do with them where you take EU calls, you know, like that you work with funding? Uh, do we have that kind of element where you try to show them, okay, here you have a call. This is what is expected, what they actually mean. This is that, <laughs> is, that, that is something that is not necessarily related to this kind of consultancy. I mean, we, okay. do, we do this a lot, right? I mean, of course, we take calls. Yeah, we we yeah. support the researchers how to how to translate it into something useful for them, of course, and what the European Commission expects. This is what the European Commission means, mm-hmm. but it's not connected with this research and innovation strategy and how that could be then linked into Horizon Europe specifically. Okay. So you don't go you don't go down to a coal level with this. Okay, okay, uh, understood. I'm talking about a little about about the tools and the frameworks you give. So you give them an action plan when you leave. Yes. What have have you given him sort of a toolbox? I mean, there, there was one toolbox that I was kind of um, not really using, but kind of sharing with the. Yeah. Um, with the management that's this innovation landscape framework that's the name of that and it's a nice one it's kind of easy to understand how the different um kind of elements of this change would it be indeed yeah the management would it be the whole ecosystem would it be what kind of procedures and policies you make and so on and then On an organizational level, you need, of course, a specific infrastructure, whether it be online or offline. You need a specific kind of level of knowledge system, and you need also different incentives and policies on the level of the of the innovation, of the IP, of the open science, and so on. So a lot of different, of course, policies and procedures in, in place that are needed. Uh-huh. And it's kind of a, a nice setup. For me, it was kind of easy to to explain, so to say. So it's not a super complicated matrix where you don't understand any of the elements, but it, it kind of made sense also to me. And also it was kind of not that difficult to explain to anyone who would be then responsible for actually thinking about all of these elements and then put put a put a plan yeah. on a paper. Now I'm just sitting looking at, uh, at at what you shared with me beforehand here. So if I look a little bit, uh, so you have you know like you have skills development on you know like capacity mm-hmm. 
which where you have elements like research grant writing, project planning, research team leadership, and so on. And then you have institution policy for research and innovation, where you have have some elements that are important to work with. Now, when I look at these things, <clears throat> what is the most difficult for them when you run through these things, when you take them through um, what is important in this change process? What is What are they struggling the most with? I don't think it's... I, I, are there anything where you always know oh, this is difficult, you know? Uh, no, I think it's, it's just the whole thing all together, right? Because okay. if you want to be super successful and you check how the others did it, then they did a lot of elements throughout the years. And then it, it's getting to be too much. It seems to be too expensive, too resource-heavy, so to say. Hmm. And then, of course it would be frightening for an organization to kind of, you know, start doing that. So you have to say that, you know, you have a lot of elements. All of the universities have a good baseline already. Now the question is what you can build on, what you have to strengthen, what you have to change a little bit here, change a little bit there. So it's, yeah, then it, it goes goes down into, yeah, a lot of details that that is not easy. Yeah. And the different departments could be in conflict with each other of the power and everything else. Yeah, that's another thing. Because here you need a full collaboration. Everyone should be going towards the same direction. And it's also not that easy in a big organization in general. Yes, power struggles. That's also well known in the academic world. You already said it. <laughs> so you have tried this probably with... Uh, one department being maybe the driver or the management, then you would have probably a strong research team opposing the whole thing. Yeah, and then, yeah, and exactly, yes, and then yeah. the, the thing stops. Yeah, because it's poison in the in the well, right? You know, it's uh... or it just slows down. I don't know. I mean, of course, it could be you know influential people and influential research groups within our organization, and you. You have to convince them. But again, as a consultant, you are not necessarily having this job. I mean, you're expecting the organization when you are having a, a mandate to, of course, everyone should be should be supporting you in trying to to make it happen. Uh, reality is different. It's like this. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's very very different. I I even I I also know that from my years as a consultant. It's different when you're grant writing consultant, but still, uh, there's an attitude once in a while you have to deal with. Um, yeah, I don't think it has to be that much. Is, is there anything else you want? Now, I put here pitfalls uh, or processes where the organizations they hesitate to fall out. If you're typical, you just talk, we just now we mentioned that you know, power, power struggles. I think that the, these are kind of the main ones, yeah. The, um, they are afraid of how much it would cost. They are afraid of, yeah, who would Some be money. for and against the... Resistance culture, so to say, you know, resistance against yes. change or simply point of view. Uh, yeah. Let's, uh, do I have anything else to add around around this? Um, because now we move into concrete cases, so now we'll talk a little bit about when it worked and when it didn't. <laughs> uh, <laughs> where you can share a little bit on, because that also opens up a little bit. Now we talked a little bit how you work with them, uh, and typical ways of of of, um, of elements that you build up and so on and so forth. Um, is there anything else before we move on to concrete cases? Uh, the the concrete cases are the best practices. You see that we normally share with others. So KTH is, yeah, it's an organization that we work with, but not on the KTH innovation part. So we know that they have done a really good job on developing something, but it is not with us. So these best practices on the last slides that I shared with you are uh, some of the some of the good examples, mm -hmm. but they are not our examples. Okay. Do you have do you have some good examples that you've been working with where you would say okay here things? Unfortunately, uh, again, it it takes a lot of time to to see to see the change. So I, I cannot give you any of the organization's name who would be 
you know, referencing us as an innovation advisor. Uh -huh. But then you maybe open up the cases that uh, that you did share with me, even though you didn't do them. But yeah, those those are really good ones, of course. Yeah. So let's let's pick 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 one pick one of them that you uh, that you uh, the, the KTH. Just yeah, KTH them. is definitely yeah, indeed. So, what did they do, and what? Uh... I mean, of course, Sweden for a long, long time, of course, is a is a kind of a forerunner in within these innovation uh, scoreboards. So, KTH specifically has uh, has worked on kind of a combination of different things that they do for the researchers. So. Definitely, the support system includes the policies, includes um, the everyday support, and also it includes a lot of the possibilities for them to think about maybe a different career path, mm -hmm. maybe think about, again, using some of the, the research uh, results in a different perspective. And they get help in the form of coaching, They can help um, get help in terms of legal advice. Uh, the whole organization is definitely supporting the um, the talent um, kind of searching, so to say, within the organization. But the true for other other institutions as well around Europe that they really have people who will be looking for those young or older researchers who could be kind of taken. And then, you know, put as an example, because of the entrepreneurship potential, because of this potential or that potential, and they could be used, of course, as a good example. And then they are guiding them every step of the way to take that ID to the market. There is specific funding available for taking the IDs uh, to the market. Mm. There is a really good collaboration with um, business angels and venture capitals to get, of course, that financial um, investment to support, of course, to accelerate the, the idea itself. Mm -hmm. And then everything basically for a researcher, for a student is free of charge because they are employees at KTH. Yeah. And here, so this is a, so here you have a strong connection with the surrounding world. Definitely. Yeah. Yes. It's the... The real world that is 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 that is sort of interacting with the research that they do, and then the research becomes innovation because it gets closer to solving concrete problems um, in the real world. Probably in, within many different areas, many people would think technology, but probably you also have innovation processes, uh, maybe even within culture. I don't know, but you will have. A the closer you get to your surroundings, the more you will be influenced and understand better how your research can make a difference and a change uh, for those organizations. Those Indeed, uh, definitely use any of the potential you have with the uh, with the industry, with then the uh, of course the entrepreneurial community in terms of investors as well. Um, Even big companies would be more than happy. Like Chalmers University has a long-standing collaboration with Volvo. So these kind of connections, you know, if there will be organizations nearby, would it be a telecommunication industry? Would it be then, of course, yeah, manufacturing or anything else? Definitely, you should be you should be using that. So you have different levels, of course, also of. The, the synergies that you can use. A city council can be just as useful as Volvo mm -hmm. uh, from boosting the innovation perspective. Yeah, And yeah. A lot of different kind of, yeah, uh, it's not, right? It's not only money that you can use from them, but it could be a lot of interesting, even programs in terms of um, job posting of the researchers. Mm -hmm. If you post them to another organization, they will much... Uh, more and kind of um, in-depth and quickly understand how that innovation would be implemented in a company 
And taking that approach back to the university in a project would, would mean a lot. Yeah. But it's also when you when you get closer to the surrounding world, this is also going to help them with EU funding. EU, especially also, Horizon, yes. Europe calls are multi-stakeholder related. So you get a, a, a holistic approach to a problem. Let's just take a municipality where they have to solve a... I don't know, indoor climate issue. Um, there's a technology element, there's a culture element, there's a design element, maybe architecture. You know, you have different elements. You have a, uh, uh, you have a indoor, uh, the feeling of the kids, if it's a school, uh, you know, how you maybe even making things so it's, it's a good learning environment. You know, so you have different disciplines and the closer you get in contact with your surroundings, um, as a researcher, the more you will understand that your specific topic is often much more folded out if it's working together with other disciplines. So, exactly. Yeah. And there, there are really good examples out there how the different organizations solved it. Would it be, of course, Northern Europe? Would it be Western Europe? Would it be, I don't know, Israel was one of the mostly boosting right entrepreneurial ecosystem also so there are really a lot of benchmarking opportunities for an organization yeah. what to use what kind of tools and approaches let's move on to the advice is there any key advice uh, you would share with uh, research performance organizations and even uh, colleagues consultants how to best deal with these processes I think the first thing probably is to kind of make the research uh, groups realize why this is needed in the first place and then kind of put them on board because if they will want to do this, then uh, it's going to be a lot easier to implement any of the programs. So if there's a need, if there's a demand, then also decision makers will be much more willing to to give the support. So... Uh Makes sense. That that's kind of an interesting, you know, perspective. Like the bottom-up approach normally works better than the top-down from this perspective. Uh, is that it? I think yeah. Those those research groups that are driving any of these good results within the organization, if they will be kind of, yeah, it's not setting a good example, but it's really, yeah, trying to lobby for that for the change support system. Uh, then yes, then it it's gonna be easier. So managers should prep. They should uh, prepare uh, their teams. What's going on? Yeah, they they should put people behind them if they wanna if they wanna do a change. Then yeah, that's that's the easiest. Yeah. And I guess that's a whole new ep- episode. And then the next project, then maybe the next project that they win could give some financial support also to. Invest into, for example, you know, new expertise being available in the team. Yes, and ob- small and, steps. And obviously, if they can see that this this project that was won because they implemented some of the changes that mm. uh, was suggested, yeah, obviously, that that encourages others to uh, <laughs> to give it a go. <laughs> Gabriela, let's uh, let's slowly wrap it up. The toughest challenge we've been circling around it already. So we're getting the team teams on board. So the psychology, so to say, the resistance is that the hardest hardest nut to crack. I think so. Yeah, um, I think it, it's not the funding because funding can be can be made available from the industry, from the from the government, from some other things. It's not not necessarily that. Uh, it's really yeah the 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 mindset you you need you need people supporting this whole change and the whole implementation of this new logic and then I guess the fact that it takes a long time <laughs> yeah? yes well for you it may it may take a really long time, but there will be newly you know not newly established but so to say young universities they already put 
together a lot of interesting programs. You can you can see that some of the organizations within Europe, for example, right? Mm -hmm. The um, the network of the young universities in Europe. Some of the yeah really interesting best best practices were coming also from from that because the young university that is trying to establish a little bit more flexible approach and they need to prove themselves a lot more than the others who are established for a long long time. Yeah, that would be interesting also to follow what they do. And they probably realize that the the these old academic networks are very very difficult to to break through or to to kind of so they know that if they want to succeed as a university needs to do something else yes then go the same old road as those hundreds two three hundred years of old universities they have the path that they have gone down so uh, right gabriel um, i think we both used you and me <laughs> yes i think that's it for today <laughs> yeah. it's been lovely to have you i'm just going to wrap up the show um before we say goodbye to the listeners so dear dear listeners thank you so much for listening to the end i hope you enjoyed this uh this uh recording this episode on um boosting innovation in in research uh performing organizations don't forget to check out my website and if you have sympathy at all with what I'm doing, by all means, uh, subscribe to the email list. That is the best way for me to grow as a podcast. Do also check it. Keep I keep updating my site. I keep my 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 ambition is to make it a a nice site where you don't just go and find your podcast, but you can also through categories find exactly what you need. Uh, so that's what I'm trying to do. I also have a hub where I try to share the nice links the links that you would need as a as a proposal preparer and a project implementer and so on and how to work with these things so let's check it out if you do want to get closer connect to me you should also connect with me on linkedin so um, reach out Nils Tudovinter. this is where the action happens this is where the daily flow of information runs where i like all uh, gabriella's posts <laughs> and uh, i don't get i <laughs> You have a lot of posts coming out on your trainings and, uh, and so on and so forth. But I, I really try to like them a lot because I, yeah. Do that if you want to follow that flow. Oh, I think that's it, Gabriel. Thank you so much for having you in again. And uh, as always, the door is always open. So we will we will take that behind the curtain. Uh, if there's anything else that we can uh, we can we can record in in the future. So, but it was lovely to have you back in. Um, and uh, let's just say goodbye to the listeners. Bye.